You're listening to Bedroom Beethoven's, where notable music makers break down stories accompanied by songs and melodies documenting growth through their 10,000-hour journey. And me? Well, my name is Cello, your host. I am a bedroom Beethoven. <laughs> What's up, everybody? Welcome to episode 163 of the podcast. DJ Wally Spice, the league crew. You got with two to the hip hop doctrine. For all of y'all that keep the boondocks locked in. Down in the boondocks. Watch closely. You're about to experience a nigga moment. And now, and now, now for our feature presentation. My guest this week is my name is wallace sparks i'm a professional disc jockey uh i've been playing records and making people dance those records for 25 plus years uh tour dj music director and frequent collaborator with big crit some people may know me from uh the mid-aughts around 2005 2006 when i was putting out mixtapes at a at a uh, uh, a really high clip. Some people may know me from my time on Sirius XM Radio, doing lead crew radio. Some people may know me from my time on Terrestrial Radio at WJTT in Chattanooga, Tennessee, which is my hometown. Uh, and some people may know me now from um, uh, the R&B party that I've been producing uh, for the past six years called The Groove, The Groove ATL. A.K.A. the Tennessee Mixtape Titan. There you go. <laughs> there you go. And A.K.A. DJ Mercenary. Yeah, how about that? That's that's uh, You pulled that one out your ass. That's, that's, a, that's a deep cut. <laughs> well, I guess it's the allure. Like when you need to score. One second on the clock and the shot's all yours. Hit or miss, we take the risk. Cause anything's better than vienas and warm grits. Trading busted babies for fly divas that book. Her only concern is if my car match her clutch. Yeah, she a gold digger, but that pussy good. So what the fuck? Don't be late for this player's ball. Hurry up and get money. Don't be no lame. Bitch warmers never ride on. So play the game. Never drop the ball. Never accept the laws. Get back up if you fall. And when your number call, you better give your all. DJ Wally Sparks, Chattanooga's own, Atlanta's own, hip hop and R&B zone. How fortunate am I that as a Southern legend, he swings by to document his 10,000 hour journey. And I can't tell you guys that like the best thing in the world is for a young kid to figure out what it is they want to do in this world. And then 30 years later, they're doing it. They're excelling at it. They're gaining a reputation. They're fulfilling their destinies. And it's my job to extract the stories that come behind that. If you find yourself listening for the first time, please interact with the show. It helps the algorithms so this podcast gets in front of more people so I can continue pumping out content. Tell a friend, tell a coworker, tell a girlfriend or boyfriend, tell your cat. And please visit patreon.com slash bedroombeethovens. We're building out a paid community there where I can reward you with early episodes, shoutouts, perks, and more. Thank you everyone for rocking with me and listening It's a one-man effort, so I appreciate all the love. But without further ado, let's get into episode 163 with DJ Wally Sparks. And we about to get to it. We got our special guest DJ in the house. I'm going to take y'all temperature one more time. 
a hip hop legend and a cold ass DJ. I sell this Virginia in the house. Like you said, you grew up in Chattanooga, and it pains me to say this because I'm in Texas, and we're we're mass shooting states this month, man. I'm you know I'm from yeah, Texas. We all know what happened sucks, there, but man. it sucks. Yeah, it must pain pain you to see what's going on in, in your in your uh, your hometown. And the yeah, the last man, shooting happened in on uh, uh, Macaulay Ave. Are you familiar with that location? Yeah, I've been up and down that street. I'm going up and down the street my entire life. You know, that's just you know it's it's a. Uh, it's just strange, man. It's just not. That's not. That's not the place I know my hometown to be. Is this around like the same locations where uh, you know? If if I take it to a happier memory, maybe Cats Records and Tapes on Brainerd Road. Uh, yeah, that's that's a that's a much happier time. But Macaulay Avenue is not far. Uh, Macaulay, there's a uh, there's a tunnel called a Macaulay called a Macaulay Tunnel that connects Brainerd Road and Macaulay Avenue. So when you, on one side of the tunnel is Macaulay Avenue, on the other side is Brainerd Road. So uh, and that's that's kind of like a Brainerd Road is like the main throughway. Uh, well, at least it was back then, and maybe and I guess it still is kind of because it kind of it kind of it's it's one it's one main throughway that kind of that kind of connects the entire city. Like you can go from a uh, uh, way way uh, north of the city all the way th- all the way to downtown just uh, uh, by staying on Brainerd Road. And once you uh, and once you get to once you go to the Macaulay Tunnel, go through the Macaulay Tunnel, you'll be if you know if you if you're on Brainerd Road and you go through the Macaulay Tunnel, you'll end up on Macaulay Avenue and vice versa. If you're on Macaulay Avenue and go through the uh, Macaulay Tunnel, you'll end up on Brainerd Road. Did you did you go out to the school in that area as well? Yeah, I'm born and raised, man. I, I, I lived there until I was 33 years old until I moved to Atlanta. So I've I've only lived in two places, Chattanooga and Atlanta. Let's go back, way back, because because first off, the the uh, the Black Achievers program is still going strong. It's still up and running, but uh, is it really? It's still going. It's still going. Um, I had no idea. The the YMCA, but but what is a uh, what is a middle school aged Wally Sparks play at a function like that? Because what you know, what eleven twelve year old you know cassettes do you have? And and from the cassettes you have, how do you know what are suitable in that setting? You know, so was there any foresight into that, or you just grabbed music and hit play? Well, there's a there's a a, a, a two layer answer to that. One is uh, I I I just played what was on the radio, also, but uh, that was just you know because I knew that made people dance. So, but there was also stuff that I liked that got played on television, which was the stuff that I would buy. Whatever was popular at the time, uh, so lots of Tribe, lots of N.W.A., uh, lots of Dr. Dre and the Chronic, lots of uh, I was I was real back then. I was real, real, real heavy into East Coast rap, like real heavy. Um, I used to I used to walk around school talking with a fake New York accent because I wanted to be down with hip hop so bad. Uh, I listened to. Uh, I listened to uh, Kwame was real big for me, real big. He's one of my biggest, biggest influences, even still to this day. Listen to a lot of I was listening to a lot of Brand Nubian back then. Red Man has just kind of hit the scene, but yeah, you know, just uh, what whatever whatever was popular in rap, and I mean whatever. I mean that that includes Young MC and Vanilla Ice and Hammer and all that stuff. I'm a big, big, big MC Hammer fan, big time. I was I was into all that, but I was also into all the other stuff too. I was just I was just enamored by hip hop in general, you know what I mean. So, um, 
you know, I I would I would always park in front of the television when your own TV raps would come on. Rap City was uh was still sort of new back then, but you know, you on TV raps today with Dr. Dre and Ed Lover, and then on the weekend with Fab Five Freddy, I was all about it. So anything any anything that popped up on that on that screen, I was with it. There was there was there was rarely anything that I didn't like or didn't want to involve myself with. But I'm surprised you had that flexibility because wasn't your dad a pastor? Yeah, yeah, my dad he still still is. Still is. He's in Knoxville now. But uh he wasn't he wasn't preaching at the time. But my dad, my dad is a uh, uh his whole my 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 passion is music. My father's passion is the church. Always has been. You know, he's always been a church guy. And uh which kind of made me a church kid by default. But my dad, man, my dad my dad never uh my dad never pressured me. He he wasn't one of those he wasn't one of those parents that was uh super strict. My dad my dad probably is the first person to develop uh to help me develop my music my musical sensibilities. Because my dad, even though he wasn't really into hip hop or anything of the sort, because you know, his whole thing is he 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 couldn't really get past the language at the time. But he enjoyed he enjoyed good music, and he he realized that good music doesn't necessarily have to, just because it's not gospel music doesn't mean it's not good. You know what I'm saying? My dad was the person who introduced me to jazz, and then you know uh, I would explain to him, say, "Hey man, you should listen to Dad. If you like Ron Carter, Ron Carter's playing on a Tribe Called Quest. You, that, that bass guy you said you liked, he's playing on this a Tribe Called Quest album, this rap album, and you know that's kind of how." He and I uh bonded over music. Uh, so he was uh he was flexible. And then I live with my mom. My parents divorced when I was two years old. And I uh I uh I live with my mother. And my mom, she was she was a single parent just trying to make ends meet and anything that made me happy and kept me out of her hair and uh kept me interested to the point where she knew I wasn't gonna do anything out of uh out of character or, or do anything that was gonna get myself hurt. She was fine with it. So even she might not have known what was going on, but hey, Wiley seems to be into it. Let him be into it so I can go <laughs> I can go do adult stuff. But when but when that interest uh turned into something more serious, she had reservations about you turning DJing into a career. And honestly, nothing has changed in the field of DJing. Even in 2022, if you tell your parents as a young adult you want to be a DJ, they aren't thinking that that's a viable rock solid career for your for my son and daughter. Yeah, I don't think she had I don't necessarily think it was reservations. I think I I don't think it was reservations about me trying to turn it into a career. I think she was okay with that. I think she was concerned. She just wanted to make sure I had some sort of sense of security. She it wasn't it wasn't it wasn't like don't go do that. It's like do this just in case. Lane College and the University of Tennessee at Chattanooga was that just to kind of appease that that thinking a little bit? Yeah, but I I I I was into school, but I realized now I was into school for the social aspect of it, not not the academic aspect of it. Lane College was uh that was a, the reason I went there is that's the school that gave me the, the scholarship to go and it was a it's a HBCU in Jackson, Tennessee, and I was dead set as a as a high school kid. I was dead set on going to a HBCU. Uh I I applied to a bunch of them, got accepted to a lot of them uh, actually too. And, but none of them, uh, some were giving me partial scholarships. Some weren't giving me any scholarships at all. Uh, but Lane College offered me a, a scholarship that was going to cover the cost of, uh, cover the cost of my education. And, uh, 
So I ended up choosing to go to that school. Uh, my choice was 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 influenced a little bit by my parents, but <laughs> but they uh, they always say it was your choice. And I was like, nah, y'all kind of y'all kind of wanted me to stay in Tennessee. I could tell it's fine. The the time that you're enrolled in college, though, you're also kind of starting to go pro a little bit. I would say, right? That's when I that's when I did now my my freshman year in college, 1997, is when I decided that this is what I want to do. So, I want to be a DJ. How do you balance that? How do you like? You know what? I'm gonna skip my eight o'clock English class because I'm booked every night this month. Fuck school. I mean, how do you not think that? It's hard. Oh, uh, I mean. Well, here's the thing. I didn't just because I start. That's but just because I made a decision doesn't mean I was working right away. I I still had a well, not my freshman year because that was just when I was in Jackson. But when I came back to Chattanooga, I still had a two part time jobs. You mentioned cats, and I was working in Foot Locker at the time. I had all sorts of odd jobs all over the city. I and and I had the benefit uh, when I came back to UTC that I didn't have to pay for room and board or anything like that. So there was a, a there was a, a financial burden that some students had that I did not have to deal with because I'm from there and I just stayed at home. You know what I mean? That's kind of how uh, I was I was balancing things until 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 I got to the point. I didn't I didn't get to the point where I was making enough money to to uh, not go to class until uh, probably my senior year when I dropped out. So uh, but it was it was weird, man. It's just one of those days. It, this used to you have you seen the movie Office Space, right? With uh Ron Livingston and oh yeah, Many Jennifer times. Aniston or whatever. That any that mo- that movie's like a was like a, a a motivational tool for me. Anytime I would watch that movie on VHS or whatever, I'd be like, you know what? Yeah, fuck it, I'm out. You know, and that's, <laughs> I think that's probably I think that's probably what happened. I think one I might have watched Office Space one day, and I I, I woke up the next morning. Not thinking about doing this, but just going to school and and starting to put two and two together, realizing, hey, I'm paying my rent. I'm actually living a an adult life strictly off of DJing, and I'm only going to school. Uh, I'm not going to class. I'm 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 about to. Uh, I I'd already failed one class, I think. But I wasn't going to school. Only time, only reason I'm going to school is to make sure that I can I can continue to uh keep myself uh booked with uh with the clientele on campus and uh and I didn't notice at the time but I was teaching myself soft skills of how to how to negotiate and how to read people and how to uh how to talk to people and uh how to talk to strangers in a uh in a new environment or an unfamiliar environment all all of, all of that I I didn't realize I was getting I was being educated in that way but when I did realize it, when I was walking, I was walking to class and I just changed my mind and, and literally made a U-turn and went to the, the bursar's office uh, and withdrew from all my classes and was like, yeah, I'm done. You know, because I was I was paying for it. I, by, this, by this time, I was I was actually paying for it because I didn't have a, a I didn't have a scholarship. I only had financial aid and that was only going to cover me for so much. And I was like, man, I'm paying for all this out of my pocket. I'm I I know what I'm going to do for the rest of my life, so I might as well just stop paying for it. And then those skills kind of helped, you know, in the future. I, I I was introduced to you on Ozone Magazine. Yeah, there you go. And I I remember uh, in 2006, like in the mid 2000s, they had an award show, 
and they didn't nominate you for best mixtape DJ, which I thought was pretty dirty because he worked for them. And then, well, I mean, you know, <laughs> you, that would that would have been that would have been you know kind of uh, a conflict of interest, really, <laughs> okay. because I think I might have been music editor at the time, and I can't really. <laughs> I can't really nominate myself for an award for the magazine that I'm working for. You know what I'm saying? It would have been pretty funny in hindsight. I know. Uh, here's a, a, a mixtape award story. I, I did get nominated for a mixtape DJ, uh, mixtape DJ of the year, uh, for the Justo. Rest in peace, Justo. For the Justo mixtape awards, uh, had placed some high value on, and I ended up losing. I ended up losing to J. Period. And I'm like, okay, all right. If I'm gonna lose anybody, that'd be a good. That's a good guy to lose to. <laughs> yeah, they, I mean, they gave the best mixtape DJ to, to drama, and that you know, he's he's a big name. So, yeah, yeah. But the best club DJ was DJ Mars, and I've never heard of him. Maybe I'm just out of the I loop. Just, uh, I just DJ with him. He just DJ my party. He just DJ the groove uh, uh, a couple weeks ago. Oh well, there you go. So he's still active and doing doing big things. Yeah, he's a uh, he's he's a uh, he's a uh, Monica's tour DJ currently. Oh, right on, right on. And and then I guess around that time too, or maybe even earlier. In fact, about six months ago, I tweeted at you, and I, you know, I put you down memory lane about the the gear sluts forum. Yes, yeah. I and I just thought it was so human for you to be on an internet forum, just asking people like, "Hey, this this big crit guy, what do you guys think about him?" And if someone didn't say something favorable, instead of you being like, "Ah, your taste of music is garbage," you don't know what you're talking about. You you ask them specifically like what doesn't gel with them, and then you took the time to really understand their perspective, mm-hmm. whether it was valid yeah, or not. That was that was that was me back in the day, man. I was trying to, uh, and you know, I, I was there because. It's, I was there specifically because I don't I don't think people realize Crit was producing. I don't think people realize he was making all that music himself. What made you want to start making beats? Uh, really because I couldn't afford to pay for them, man. Like I really started rapping, like on trying to get in the studio and stuff, like around thirteen. So at that you know at that point, parents really understand paying a hundred dollars, hundred fifty dollars for no beat. And so you know, I'm the first program I got to use was MTV Music Generator, which is a PlayStation. You know, program technically, you know, you make beats on PlayStation. My brother copped that for me. Um, and then, you know, it's kind of on from there. Like, really, yeah. Just- yeah. And I was like, well, what better place to be at than uh, a forum where people are learning to and sharing trade secrets about how they actually produce music? So, hey, have you heard of this guy? You know, he produces and you know I not and you know and I, I knew I knew that the questions that would come from the production the producer community that I could answer them and they and 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 that would and, if, in turn well my my hope was that uh, if I could answer them and I could answer them uh, in a way that would make them interested that they would go check out the music and eventually become a fan etc etc I think 18 years later People still don't know that he's like that good at production. I'll it. say it. He said it literally from the from the jump. You know what I mean? I hey hey guys, I produce everything. I do everything. It's, you know, but you know it, it is what it is. You know. I don't know. I, I just I love it because I you know can you imagine you're on a message board and this guy is like yo there's this 17 year old kid from Toronto and his name is Drake. What do you guys think? Ah, uh, you know what Drake. Drake doesn't sing enough in his raps, and then that feedback makes its way back to an up-and-coming Drake, and boom. Yeah, know. I was, I, um, you you know, know. I was trying to utilize every tool I had to uh, to help Crit move, you know, 
move forward as 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 a uh, as far and as quickly as I could. That's all that was. They said it couldn't be forever, wouldn't be forever. The grind ain't enough to gotta mix it with the lover. The grind ain't enough to gotta mix it with the hate. When it's all over, what would I say? Forever in a day, 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 forever in a day, 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 forever in a day, 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 forever in a day. But the thing with crit is it only took one song. For for you to hear to reach out, that's it. You know, has has any artist yeah. had that same effect on you before or since? No, no, not at all. It's lightning in a bottle. Closest was Ti, and that was just him rapping. But by this time, he was already on. Like he, I, I heard, I heard Ti on an album, and I was like, whoever that dude is, he got it. But uh, and it was different with Crit because Crit, you know, when I when I was introduced to Crit, he was. He was still in the uh, the up and coming stages, and he was, you know, uh, the grind, I suppose, in the middle of the grind, you know. But yeah, that. But outside of those two, those there haven't been there hasn't been anybody spe- specifically crit that made me feel the way I felt the first time I heard him. Like it was, it was almost it was almost as if uh, the universe intentionally made me hear that because they you know uh it was just it was just meant to be that i was supposed to hear that at that time does it does it have anything to do with like the secret ingredient is they have to be undiscovered like so you can sink your teeth into something like a and young talent versus established talent means you have to deal with someone who's jaded or their cup is full and they're used to working with people a certain way but you don't get that with an 18 year old well, maybe, but that's the thing, though. I wasn't, I wasn't trying to be an A&R back then. I was just the guy who liked music, and I, I don't, I, I, did, I wasn't, I was just a DJ, and I had, I would, I had no, uh, I had no intentions or no uh, aspirations to to be in the A and R space or even a tour DJ at that time. I was just, I was just like, hey, man, this is good, and I feel like everybody should know that it's good, and that was that was mm-hmm. it. So, well, so how do you, you know, how do you stay relevant, I guess, when the landscape of music changes? Like, Snap Music was big in, like, the mid-2000s. Cool Breeze and Backbone are the purveyors of what eventually became trap music. Like, do you, as a DJ, have to embrace the ebbs and flows of hip-hop through the decades? Like, is being stubborn the worst thing you can do in your profession? Uh, to an extent, yes. You have to be, you have to learn how to be flexible. And the, and the best way... Here's the thing about me, uh, and and this is this is a this is a, a atypical of most people in the South, most music fans in the South. We liked everything. We we weren't we weren't we weren't as regional as as other places, and we didn't really we were accepting of everything. You know what I mean? And uh, you know, I, I've always been. I've always tried to see myself as a type of person to find some sort of redeeming quality in anything, even if I don't particularly like it. I try to find some sort of redeeming quality in it. I I, I used to, you know, there was there was a, a time where anything from the South was was frowned upon. No matter no matter no matter if it was good or bad, it was just the just because just because of where it originated from, it immediately made it bad. You know what I mean? So uh, I was used to that. And I didn't want to. I I never wanted to be that way. I never wanted to judge music on on its merit. I I I just if it if it jammed, 
it jammed regardless of where it came from. And if I, you know, if, and if it jammed, I was going to play it. Uh, but, uh, I'm also, I'm also, uh, aware that, uh, I actually, I learned, I learned to be aware after a while of, um, especially around this time in the mid aughts, um, that you have to serve your audience and you got to get them what, you know, and, and, and in order to educate, you actually have to, you know, you have to serve your audience and get them what they want to, you know, it's that, that whole old school adage of putting a little sugar in the cough medicine. So the, so the baby will take what's needed to help them get healthy. You know what I mean? Yeah. Cause I remember like, uh, you know, back in the day, like I would listen to, uh, you know, if I listen to a silk, the shocker song, I know KLC, um, there was a song called just be straight with me and he sampled the SOS band just be good to me. But then on the R and B side, Deborah Cox would, would do just be good to me. And it's almost like they're serving, like they're, they're taking the same sample and serving two different audiences. And it's like, everybody wins. A completely different audience. Yeah. But there, there'd be one, there'd be one side that says, Hey, this, this one thing is bad. And this other thing is good when it's yeah. literally based on the exact same thing. <laughs> I, I guess a more I guess a more direct way would be like when Big Crit work with BB King. So you have like the BB King audience, you have the Big Crit audience, and then like, whoa, what's what are they gonna do coming together? Like I, I on Post Malone's last album, he had you know Black Sabbath, and it's like, man, people, that's crazy to me, you know, on paper, you know. So I, I bet even when Crit's having that conversation, you know, like, hey, let's let's reach out to BB King. He probably doesn't even think it's possible. Yeah, yeah, that was a. Uh... Yeah, that was from from the get, from the very very beginning of working on live from on the ground, which just turned ten years old uh, last week Oof. or a few days ago. Uh, but from the from the very beginning of the process of working on that album, that was a uh, that was a goal to get BB King on it, and you know, and you know, uh, no, you know, if, if you know, you always probably talk yourself out of stuff and i'm sure he was doing this but then we were all we were all myself and johnny shipes and, and shot money and steve-o and whomever was around uh back then we were all like bro let's just try and see what happens <laughs> you know what i mean and clearly you see what happened it it, it came to pass is that is that kind of reason one of the reasons why you kind of moved to uh to Atlanta is like for more of the networking. Cause maybe like, Hey, I've been here in Tennessee my whole life. I, I think I hit a ceiling, even though I don't know, was Rashad blew up there and the, the, yeah, that was way after though. That was way after. And so did Tut, Tut just dropped Tut, a new album Yeah, too. Clyde Stubblefield, Usher, yeah. a few others, but, um, they were, you know, it worked for you though. Yeah, it was, uh, but you know what though? I think, I think, uh, I think me moving on and having, uh, the moderate success that I did made it uh, made it seem even more possible for the for the for, for the Tuts and the Isaiah Rashads. You know, I've actually I actually had a, a it was crazy. I met Isaiah Rashad at uh, in 2014 for the first time at South by Southwest, but we had been living in the same city. I'm and I'm sure we probably crossed paths, and I just didn't realize I had met him before. But we finally met proper. I knew who he was. He knew who I was. We shook hands, had a conversation. 2014, South by Southwest. And uh, in the conversation that we had, uh, we had a conversation. We had talked on the phone prior to. Uh, this is this is before Sylvia demo. But and then clearly this was after Sylvia demo, South by Southwest. But 
in both of those conversations, he had mentioned to me, he was like, hey, man, he was like, yo, you don't realize, because I was, I was DJing on the radio to 2007 to, through maybe like 2011 20, 20, 20, uh, when I went on the road with Crit. So from flash, probably about 2007 till about then, I was on the radio. And he was like, you don't understand, man. Like when you were on the radio and you would play Crit and J. Cole and Quali and J. Electronica and all that kind of stuff, you you made it okay for me to rap the way I was rapping in my mind. He this this was Isaiah Rashad talking to me. And, you know, I did I had I had no idea, man. I was just doing that because that's just the kind of shit I like. You know what I mean? And 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 and, and what's crazy is like in those same mix shows, I'm playing all the stuff that you would play on the radio at that time too. Whatever the the plies and the and the Trey songs and all you know, all that. I was playing all that stuff too, but I would just I would sneak the other stuff in, you know, little brother here, Wale there. You know what I mean? Uh, and he was like, when you were playing all that stuff, that gave me the confidence to 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 rhyme the way I really I really wanted to rhyme because he was like, this dude's from Chattanooga, and if he can and if he can. He can do it, and they're accepting of it. I don't have to uh, reduce myself to just whatever is considered to be the norm. I can actually be who I want to be. And I didn't. Uh, I was like, I was blown away when he told me that. I was like, wow, that's crazy. And I was, I was really tripping. I was like, man, it's, 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 it's such a fucking mind fuck to know that you and I literally have been running up and down the same streets in the same city for twenty plus years. And this is where we have this conversation at. In, in Austin, Austin, Texas. Texas. <laughs> and it's almost like if y'all didn't meet then, you, you might not have known how he felt till years later, whenever you would have. I would have I never, never known. known. You know what I mean? It's crazy how shit works out like that. And you're, you're a big wrestling fan. How long have you been watching it? Man, since I was probably seven, eight years old. So big you're time. aware that in the year 2000, they released a rap big album time. with Snoop, Dub C., all that yeah. thumbs up or thumbs down? What'd you think? Nah, it, was, it was a money grab. You know, it's, it's it's fun for it's fun to be fun. You know, just to have you know WWE or probably WWF back then. The music, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, you kind, know, of, yeah, kind of crazy to have Sea Murder and Peanut Butter Wolf on the same project. <laughs> yeah, there you go. How about that? <laughs> it's funny. Jake uh, Jake one produced uh, John Cena's theme music. Mark Henry's old three uh Mark Henry's old theme music is performed by Three Six Mafia. It's all sorts of all sorts of weird wrestling connections. Taz from ECW, his son is wrestling right now. His name is Hook, and his theme music is performed by Action Bronson. So, is rap and wrestling has a uh, is always had you know that one connection. You say that like hip hop and and wrestling uh, kind of goes hand in hand, but I, I remember watching back in the day and like Creed did Edge's theme and Limp Bizkit did Undertaker and Motorhead did Triple H. They didn't. I don't know, man. They didn't really give hip hop that time in the sun, at least for an entry music. They, 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 they would do hip-hop side projects, but not their entrance music. Not enough. Yeah, it, depends, it depends. You know, you had you had the people like Jerry Lawler's son and Scotty Too Hotty, Too Cool. 
Brian Christopher. You know, they they were kind of like a, but then but then again, that was like a parody of hip hop. You know what I mean? Not an actual like hip hop gimmick, but gimmick. But then there was a there was a guy in WCW uh, that was supposed to be a rapper whose name was PN News. <laughs> I don't remember him. Um, yeah, he he. he He's not very memorable, <laughs> <laughs> but he he and P, PN News was a thing that that happened. Um, and then you had the tag team Public Enemy, and then they they came out they came out uh to some generic hip hop sound and music, and they uh they did the uh hip hop parade whole hand wave thing when they came out to the ring. You know what I mean? So there's there's been there's been some moments, but. Not not as not as many as as you know a fan like me would like. I think what happened um, is they they let Booker T in, who was actually from the streets, and then he let the N word out, and then they were like, "Man, maybe yeah. we maybe we can't go too authentic." <laughs> yeah, it was it's one of the, one of the greatest one of the greatest moments <laughs> in wrestling history. Um, so wow! So uh, the Fugees. Uh, Busta Rhymes, Cypress Hill, and a tribe called Quest were at the Sandstone Amphitheater 25 years ago, and you were there. Tell me about that. That was the inaugural Smoke and Grooves Festival. Parliament was on one of those shows, too. Uh, I forget which year it was. But it was a great experience, man. You know, it, uh, it was it was it was a real great experience. Help me uh help me understand the the um the value and the impact of a live performance. You know. Not that I didn't know, because you know I was I was went to a performance in high school, so I, I I knew about stage and stage presence and all that. But seeing it uh seeing it brought to life and uh through the hip hop lens was just just it was just uh it was real eye opening. Yeah, will uh, will I am in his autobiography um pointed out that he he used to say at that festival, "Come on, all twenty of you, get on your feet." As the first act on stage, the grass fields and sun-scorched knolls were always only half full as we began our set. The challenge was to turn the who the fuck are these guys into, wow, these guys are fresh. Yeah, I was one of them 20, you know. Yeah, one of them shows. <laughs> I was definitely one of them 20. Uh, I, 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 I remember uh, pre, this is pre-Fergie Black Eyed Peas when they were just a trio. Uh, and, you know, when they were falling up, and not falling down, but yeah, I, I, I remember, I, I remember, I remember specifically seeing Boys to Men rock. I mean, not Boys to Men, I Black Eyed Peas. I don't know why I said Boys to Men. That was strange. Oh, <laughs> uh, seeing um, Black Eyed Peas rock. I remember uh, the Fugees and uh, Wyclef, you know, doing the thing where he would change the uh, change the beat in songs, which is a trick I I actually started applying to. Uh, the stage show the crit and I used to do, and I remember, I remember the the thing I remember most vividly was a uh, was Buster Rhymes bringing Red Man out uh, on stage, and they did the goodness together, and the energy was just through the roof. It was, it was a, uh, and I was like, yeah, this is this is this is a, uh, I'm I'm on I'm on the right path, basically. It just it just it just solidified the path that I was already on. The, the choice that I made was the right one. A barely legal Maya was there. She just turned 18. How about that? I just had Maya at my uh at my uh event, the crew. Yeah, full circle. Six year anniversary. She is awesome. 
awesome. Fantastic. I can't I can't speak highly uh, I can't speak highly enough about that woman. She is by far the most prepared, the most professional, the kindest, the sweetest recording artist that I've ever dealt with ever. She's amazing. If I if I could book Maya for every show I ever produce, I would book Maya for every show. It's funny because Ashanti is getting kind of a second wind, and I I think nobody deserves it more than Maya. Well, Maya, she she Maya, she ain't really a second wind. She just kind of she's been doing. She's been steady working for the whole you know the whole time. It seems like she's been out of the picture, but she hasn't. You know she uh, and a lot of people don't realize Maya's been off a major record label for uh, quite some time. A lot of people don't know that in 2017, Maya got nominated for a Best R&B Album Grammy for an independent album that she put out on her own label. I had no idea. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. 2017, the album uh, Smooth Jones was nominated for R&B Album of the Year and put out on Planet Nine Recordings. But I, I think that's probably why Maya uh, Maya moves the way she she does because she, you know, she has she she moves she not only says she has to move like an independent artist she is an independent artist and and moves accordingly. Well, uh, other iconic things was uh, Gangstar was there because they just released Moment of Truth. Oh yeah, I was into that. I was definitely into that. Got to see DJ Premier on the turntable. Was getting busy. That was that was all. That was a treat. Uh, cannabis dissed LL Cool J with second round KO on stage. Yeah, that was that was probably during. Uh, that was probably uh, during Wyclef's set. Portion his his portion of the food you said. Uh, I believe Cypress Hill passed out Rolling Papers, and then I think uh, Public Enemy reconciled. Perse- Professor Griff, Flavor Flav, and Chuck D had a talk and um, reconciled at that festival. So a lot of a lot of good things. And I bring that up because it's like it's so weird how little content yeah, remains no, from that tour. Strange. <laughs> you can't find anything about no, it. No cell phones back then, buddy. No no camera phones, at least. Yeah, I'm, I'm from the South. You know, I, I live in Texas, so Swisher House was like the Bible. You know, screw music and uh, cash money, no limit. The house that, you know, Beats by the Pound built, Suave House, before 8-Ball and MJG jumped the bad boy. You know, it's, it's still a second-rate movement. It's niche, and, you know, I'll take credit here, but I really think it was, you know, still tipping. With Mike Jones, I think that was the tipping point because right after that, um, like you said, Ti blew up, and then Little Flip was on BET, and Chameleon is winning Grammys, and it's like, okay, well now Fraser Boy and Little White, Young Buck, and all that is mainstream. So it was like Texas, and then Tennessee, and um, it, it was a good time, man. I even read that. So Julia Beverly wrote a book about Pimp C, and she didn't even really know much about him until he was in prison. So you had to put her on game. Yeah, that's uh, kind of how I got my job at Ozone, uh, Julia wanted to she wanted to she being from florida uh also realized that artists from the south were not be were not getting the the coverage outside of uh like little niche pieces in the in the larger publications like the vibe i'm like the not the vibe like vibe and the source uh etc etc um and you know there was there was rap pages there was murder dog or whatever but you know that was about it and uh, she wanted to create a publication that sp- that focused specifically on the southern region of the United States and the rap music that was and the regional rap music, because that was a big thing. Like, you know, regional rap music was was very, 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 very heavy back then, as you well know, you know, was talking about Twitter House and S.U.C., et cetera, et cetera. Um, 
And she uh she and I used to talk on AOL Instant Messenger all the time. And you know, she would ask me questions and I I would, you know, I was I was a uh, I, I was one of those people that when you asked me a question, I would give you like the the whole history of, of what was going on. She's like, hey, you know a lot of stuff, you know. And we just have conversations. She's like, would you, you know, would, what do you think about coming on uh, to work for the magazine? I'm like, sure, you know. Uh, and that's kind of how that started. But, uh, you know, she's a, she's a, a, not, she's a little younger than I am. Not, not, not too far, but, uh, but, she wasn't really familiar with the Texas sound and, but she was familiar with all the stuff that was coming up from Florida, like all the stuff that would come up from Miami and the, the, the things that were happening in Tampa and, um, and in Orlando where she's from, et cetera, et cetera. But the Texas and Louisiana stuff, she wasn't really familiar, as familiar with. Um, and I'm not talking like no limit cash money. I'm talking like, uh, like sea Loke and the concentration camp and, and Boosie and Webby when they were teenagers. And you know that sort of thing, and UGK, etc. Um, and, and she asked me questions about it, and I tell her what I tell her what I did know, and then she would uh. That she would go do her due diligence and do the research and you know actually start going to talk to these people and uh you know she ended up uh she ended up uh going to see Pimpsey uh often when he was in uh when he was uh locked away and uh eventually they they built up a rapport I suppose and you know she got uh she she got the blessing of I guess Pimpsey's uh, I whomever whomever she got to, I don't know who whom she got the blessing from maybe it was his mother uh maybe it was his wife maybe it was both I don't know but she ended up writing that book which is a very 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 extensive book is uh highly recommended if you hadn't read it uh but yeah you know that's that that our conversation our conversations continued on and uh eventually turned to me to it turned and that turned into me writing music reviews and that turned into me becoming a music editor of the magazine for a brief period of time when's your book coming out because i feel like it's that's overdue oh man i hate i make i ain't writing no goddamn book forward by <laughs> big crit come on i already, I already <laughs> getting it started for you Ew, man I, what am i gonna talk about i i know you got stories <laughs> I think uh I think we've illustrated your knowledge, your hard work, and your integrity as a person and as a DJ. And I think we covered a lot of grounds. Is uh is there anything you want to plug? Is there anything that we missed? Uh uh plug wise, uh the groove ATL.com. The groove ATL.com. T H E G R O O V E A T L dot com. Uh that's uh that's it for the plugs. I mean we play up if you love R and B music, that's the place that's the place you want to uh you want to be if you're in the Atlanta area. Um other than that, man, um nah man, just you know, everybody stay safe out there uh and uh do the things that you want to do with your life because you only got one life to live. So make that shit count. And here's the thing I want to outro with. If you find yourself in a venue and you have to choose between Thursday night football and Wally Sparks, make the right decision. You can watch football anytime, man, but to be in the presence of <laughs> 
Shout to my man Dustin. Shout to my man Dustin. I, I got I got love for Dustin. Dustin was Dustin was only doing what a good bar owner. She was just making he, he made a business decision. I ain't got no I have no issues with you, Dustin. I love you, bro. You know what I'm saying? I we me, me and Dustin ended up making a whole lot of fucking money together too after That's that. What's happened. Up. Which but hey, but but <laughs> that's, that's hilarious. <laughs> <laughs>